0: A few times uh, in the past few years I took a group uh, of members of the congregation to work in Namibia, but we always had a a stopover uh, in Cape Town area and then we went to the area of False Bay uh, where there are many, many sharks, Uh, the, the white deaf sharks. And every time I got the same question, are there sharks? And I said, yes, but where we swim, nobody has ever been attacked. But then we drove just a few kilometers from there where some people have lost their lives through shark attacks. And on the 4th of June, 2005, a shark attacked killed uh, attacked and killed a 22 year old medical student henry murray at miller's point he and his friend went for scuba diving and his friend just saw a massive shark basically swallowing him a few months later his mother wrote the following prayer, and I read just a few lines. Lord, I want you to know about my pain. I don't understand why my happy and cheerful child had to die. I cannot understand why he, who could have given hope to so many sick people, was just taken away while he served you wholeheartedly. It's true what Henry Nguyen said, that the, the most personal feelings of our lives are the most universal feelings. Those things that we cannot always express, those things are the things that people all over the world actually experience. Why did it happen? Why did it happen to me? Why to such a wonderful parent, child or friend? Because, you see, deep inside our hearts, we believe that our faith is an insurance policy against the hardships of life. Daniel Simonson wrote, Bad things happen to Christians too. We are not immune from the misfortunes of life. Sickness Pain, disappointments, economic losses, emotional disturbances, and death are no respecters of persons. Suffering is not confined to those who deserve it. See, in times like this, when we are down and out, we need words. Words that can help us to express What's going on inside our being. And Psalm 22 provides them. We don't know know what what caused the psalmist to write the psalms. But I know, and you know as you listen to it this morning, how he feels. And let us not jump to Jesus' words on the cross too quickly. Here... In Psalm 22, we don't have Jesus in the first place talking. We have an ordinary human being like us in extreme difficulty. What we have here is a human reaction to the problems that life throws at us. So what did he experience? I want to mention three things here. First, he, he felt absolutely worthless. In Psalm 22, verse 9 and 10, we read, You brought me out of, my, uh, out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. That's true of the past. But his experience at this moment is completely the opposite. He says, but I am a worm. I'm not a man. His circumstances made him feel that he lost his human dignity. Second thing is, he felt abandoned by people around him. Isn't that A cruel experience that we experience sometimes that those who are supposed to be very close to us, that they turn their backs on us. In Psalm 22 verse 12 we read, Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan. Those bulls were extremely large. They encircle me. And they're all metaphors now of people. Roaring lions. Tearing their prey. Their mouths are open against me. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. And evil people are described as dogs. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Deliver my life from the power of the dogs. The oxen, the dogs all these beasts symbolize control of people over us. Wanting to overpower us. Wanting to take our life away from us. And these people scorned him and despised him. All who see me mock me, he says, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. When someone cast lots and divided the garments, that was was an indication that they considered this person already dead, everything was over, everybody is against me, the structures and powers of society do not make room for me, but threaten my existence, my life, but the most serious of his feelings, the sum total of all his suffering, is that he felt that God, abandoned him. And many times this is the result of people abandoning us, that we also feel that God has abandoned us. That we're alone. That when we pray it's just not going further than the ceiling. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Listen carefully to these words. It's not God, God, why have you forsaken me? It is my God. My God. It's an expression of a relationship. There is serious doubt here in a person's life. Serious doubt about this relationship. See, there's a radical contrast between my God and the feeling of being abandoned by this God. He is my God. I believe, but I do not experience God's presence. See, his family, when we read the psalm, had a wonderful history with God, he said. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. God listened in the past. He was faithful in the past. But the present experience is is the opposite. My God, I cry out by day. But you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. I always repeat these words of Martin Luther. There is no greater disaster than this, than when God is silent. Abandonment was a sign of the curse of God. It meant that you were handed over to the powers that destroy everything. It was equal to death and hell. His prayer here is not about healing. It's not about forgiveness. But that God should come closer to him. In the 16th century, John Donne wrote, When all is done... The hell of hells, the torment of torments, is the everlasting absence of God. To fall out of the hands of the living God is a horror beyond our expression, beyond our imagination. There are people that believe that Christians shouldn't be depressed. That Christians shouldn't have mental illness. That Christians shouldn't feel that they're abandoned by God. That's a lie of the devil. It's not true. Christians sometimes go through the darkest times. And Christians need Christians to help them through that. Abandoned by God. Abandoned by people. Worthless. That's how he feels. And look look at the effect in his life. He says, I'm poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. It means he's tired. He cannot go on. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. He feels hopeless. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. We all know that feeling when you're anxious, when your, your tongue is, is dry, when your mouth is dry. You lay me in the dust of death. I can count all my bones because I'm deteriorating. I'm falling apart, Lord. I'm sure that many of us can identify with feelings like this. In his book, A Grief Observed, C.S. Lewis writes about this feeling after the death of his wife. He says, Meanwhile, where is God? When you are happy, so happy, that you have no sense of needing Him, so happy that you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption. If you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face, and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? Why is he so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in time of trouble? Then he writes, Not that I am, I think, in much danger of ceasing to believe in God. The real danger, he says, is coming to believe such dreadful things about him. The conclusion I dread is not, so there's no God after all, but, so this is what God's really like. Deceive yourself no longer. There are many people all over the world, groaning, crying, shouting to God, feeling abandoned. Forsaken. By God. So why did God not change the situation? Why did He not listen? Why? Is God far from us? Is He far from the broken hearted? The sinner? Does He only listen to David? Or to ministers, or to people who are pure in heart. Is it true what Betty Midler sings? From a distance, God is watching us. Daniel Simonson writes, In some way, Christians react even more negatively to adversity because we may have thought that our pious lifestyles and trust in God's providence would protect us from the unpleasantness of life. But it doesn't happen. So where's the comfort? See, the Bible is not there to give us cheap answers to our questions. Sometimes there is no answer. And sometimes the challenge is to live without answers. One of my friends, Ockert Meyer, wrote, God does not only reveal himself in miracles and fire, but also in laments, the petitions, and the cries of people who feel that they are forsaken. See, the Bible helps us to verbalize, to voice our protest, to formulate what is going on into our heart. Psalm 22, like Psalm 13 and 77 and 88, are all written, it's all in the Bible, to help us to voice our honest doubts. To raise our serious questions. To say when we feel that God has abounded us. The God of the psalmist is big enough to listen to our cries and to our protest. The German theologian Jürgen Moltmann remembered that while he was in a concentration camp in the Second World War, it was an allied concentration camp, as a young unbeliever, the chaplain gave them Bibles, New Testament, and the Psalms. And nothing helped him more, he said, than the Psalms, because it gave words to his heart in desperate circumstances. And by reading the Psalms, he found God and became one of the greatest theologians. As you go on praying this Psalm, crying out to God, you will also find that you hear another voice crying out with you at the same time. It is another human being that felt exactly the same. His name is Jesus. Your cry was also His cry. In His hour of deepest need on the cross, He couldn't think of any other psalm to quote. And some people say that he quoted the whole psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His compassion was not shown by giving us advice on how to solve our problems but by coming and standing in our shoes, the shoes of our protest and cries to God. And His cry went much deeper. see, all the cries of humanity and the cosmos are summed up in His cry on the cross. Jesus, remember, was one with the Father. And my God... My God is even more intense in his life. Haafoogel writes in Communion Santorum," someone could ask the foolish question, <coughs> what is the most hopeless place in the world? He could then think about a sick bed or the torture chamber of a concentration camp or one of the gas chambers where people were forced to go in. Or someone in a prison cell waiting for his death sentence to be completed. However, the most hopeless place is where one would never abandon God hanged, abandoned. The most hopeless place is the cross. Darker then this, it cannot be. When the one who never abandoned God cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But therefore, the the cross becomes a place of hope for us. This person, Jesus, is the one in whom the Son of God God himself became our companion in times of trouble. He's the one who paid attention to the why questions in our lives. And he seeks and finds us where we are feeling lost and at the end of ourselves. If you feel anxious, anxious, and tired and hopeless, if you feel that your body is deteriorating this morning, Jesus says, I was there. If you feel that your friends have abandoned you, that people are mocking you and, and making all kinds of fun about you, marginalizing you, Jesus said, I was there. If you feel far away from God today. Jesus says, I am there. When you feel anxious, tired, and your body cannot take it anymore. He is there. When you feel alone. you feel that the powers are against you. He is there. I've told this story before, but I think it's very appropriate here. There is a legend of uh, the, from the, the Cherokee Indian um, population. It's, it's a rite of passage. This young man is taken by his father into a forest and he's blindfolded and he leaves him alone. He's required to sit on a stump the whole night, and he's not allowed to remove the blindfold until the rays of the morning sun would come through it. He cannot cry out for help to anyone. And obviously the boy is terrified. He can hear all the kinds of noises. Wild beasts must surely be all around him. And you know what's going on in our mind when we're in the dark? We see more things and more things. When we hear the wind and the rain on the roofs at night and we cannot sleep, and we feel alone. This boy had to sit through all these noises. And finally, after a horrific night, the son appeared and he removed the blindfold and then he discovered that his father was sitting next to him all night protecting his son from all harm. The psalmist does not cry out against God but to God The Father is sitting next to Him. Jesus is the ultimate sitting of God next to us in our circumstances. Jesus identifies with our distress. He went through all of it. He doesn't give solutions. He gives himself. That is the ultimate solution. Only Jesus, our companion, our friend. Let's pray together. Father, you know the dark nights of our lives. Many of us sitting here this morning are desperate. You know our circumstances. You know our needs. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's other worries about our children or grandchildren. Maybe it's about our mental state. Maybe it's our struggle with depression for many, many years. Maybe it's just that we don't have any vision for the future. Father, thank you that you understand. Thank you, Jesus, that you understand. Thank you that you have solidarity with us, that you became one of us, and thank you that through the dark nights of our lives, our Father is sitting next to us. And even if we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear any evil for you are with us. Give us vision, Lord, in the midst of of all our circumstances. Give us vision of a Father that cares. Give us a vision of the cross, the symbol of your care, compassion. This we also pray today for people outside these walls. We pray for those in Colombia who lost loved ones with a mudslide. More than 250 people, Lord. We pray for those in Mosul. Those in Syria. We pray for Christians persecuted throughout the world. We pray for the parents of those girls abducted in Nigeria the last week. Father, you know about the misery in this world. Show your compassion. And make us more compassionate. Make us more loving. Make us an embracing community. Embracing those who go through dark times. And help us, Lord, also... That when we go through dark times, to trust our fellow Christians when they want to help. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.